Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What is up, party people? Welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all having an amazing week so far, and welcome to February. Super excited about introducing my brother from another mother, Mr. Anthony Trucks. So you guys are going to love this episode. One, because I feel like Anthony and I are cut from similar cloth. I just felt like I was talking to a kindred spirit the entire time, going back and forth on life, love, everything in between. And I admire Anthony a lot because he isn't somebody who really came from much. Like he, at age three, Anthony ended up in the foster care system. Given his background, he should not have achieved even a smidgen of the things he has. It shouldn't have been possible for him to become an NFL athlete or a successful entrepreneur or end up on NBC's American Ninja Warrior. Like, I mean, this man just consistently beat the odds, consistently built the resilience and allowed himself to grow into somebody that could fight for his identity and weather all of life's storms to become the inspirational man he is today. And I love this episode just because Anthony's such a practical dude. I mean, he's he's just helped so many people. He's a motivational speaker. He's a coach. Man, he just he does it all. Um, in this episode, you're going to learn about why emotional control is essential if you want to weather life's storms, how to create safe containers so you can manage all the curveballs that life throws at you, the difference between a go identity and a slow identity, what to do when you're emotionally triggered, the first time Anthony fought for himself and how you can create an attitude of ownership in your own life so that you can grow and push aside all of the hardships that come through your life. I think this episode was just such a reminder of the incredible resilience of the human spirit. Like It doesn't matter where you come from or really what your background is. We all have that fight inside of us. Sometimes we forget And sometimes it's okay to borrow joy and borrow resilience from the ones around us. And that's what Anthony did. So it was just a reminder for me to never forget that the world is filled with inspiring people. The world is filled with individuals that are constantly fighting for what's true for them. And if I don't feel like getting up, maybe it's just as easy as going on the internet and uh, looking at all the stuff that Anthony's doing, uh, because he is just such a human being that I'm grateful to have in my life. And so Super excited about this one for y'all. Let me know your thoughts. Let Anthony know how this episode has impacted you. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes or any of the podcast apps that you choose to tune in on. Join us inside of the Stay Grounded community, rajana.com forward slash stay grounded, where I'll be going deep into some of my own personal perspectives around what I loved about Anthony and the episode itself. And just enjoy this incredible conversation between two individuals who are figuring life out. I know it may seem like a lot of times, you know, a lot of the guests we bring on the show, 
you know, they, it just seems like they're so far from reach that we're, we're so far ahead because of the things we may or may not have accomplished in our lives. But I just hope this episode reminds you that we all start from the same place. And some of us start from behind the finish line or behind the starting line. And it's just an inspiring reminder that no matter where you are in your life, no matter what's going on, we got this, you got this. And I'm grateful uh, to be here with you enjoying Mr. Anthony Trucks. So without further ado, here is my main man, Mr. Trucks. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all in for a treat. Mr. Trucks, how are you, my man? I'm great, man. I'm having an amazing, amazing good morning. My email inbox is at two. I don't have a lot of craziness there. Life's good. No complaints. It's amazing when your inbox just like scrunches down. It's like a weird sense of like clarity and cleanliness. I like no red dots on my phone. So when I can go there, I'm, the only two I got to do is a questionnaire. I got to fill a questionnaire out and then answer something for like PayPal and I'm done. Boom, dude. Boom. You're already crushing it today. Well, I love it. Man, I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, our original conversation just left me so grateful that human beings like you are out there in the world creating and giving and just thriving into your own version of yourself. So I'm just excited to dive in. Uh, so all right, already introduced all of the boring details to our amazing community. So I'm just going to skip over all that. I was reading something on your site before this conversation and a lot of the stuff that we talked about before around identity. And I want to kind of start with the question, who is Anthony Trucks right now in this moment? Man, well, this is an interesting thing is uh, neuroscience will tell you that the moment you start thinking about who you are, you start saying things that take you out of the mental space of who you are. It's weird. Mm. I'll tell you what my conscious brain thinks. Now, like in little is of science, there's something called a default mode network in your brain. And it turns on when, when you turn your brain off, like when you start daydreaming. And that's where you lie, like your thoughts, you're, you're kind of like who you are is who you are. You're not thinking about who you are. Weird mm. kind of thing. <laughs> so for me, if I go conscious and say, who do I think Anthony is? Anthony is a, uh, a man of faith. He's a husband, he's a father, and he's a coach, and he's a speaker. And realistically, Anthony's just a guy who is trying to, to get every drip drop out of life, man. I'm trying to, to do something. Not, I, don't, I don't like the word like go big. I'm trying to do something that, that just at the end of the day, when I get to the back edge of my life, I'm like, man, I, I left that thing completely used. Like I, 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 you know, no, no ounce of life was left unlived and I'm trying to get other people to do the exact same thing. And I, I literally want people to find it as myself, like what's my true potential? What's yeah. that thing that is the, the next stage that I can do? And I don't think we know what it is. No matter what I picture, I've always pictured stuff when I achieve it. I'm like, Oh man, I thought that'd be a 10, but like it was a two. I'm like, there's so much more. And so I'm just, I'm just curiosity drives me. I'm a guy that's just curious to see what life has to offer. It's amazing when you start attaching your own identity to more values than you do to like a physical thing, right? Because like, mm-hmm. that's what I just heard from you right now. Like you're even almost your identity is like this being or this aspirational yeah, version of yourself that's like wanting to squeeze life like a towel and just wring it out as opposed to yeah. it being like a, I'm a father or I'm a, I'm like your conscious brain was it actually started out that way. It was like, I'm a speaker, I'm this, yeah. I'm that, I'm that. But then when you really yeah. got into the heart space, it was almost like you were feeling who you want to be. What's the difference? Like, does your conscious identity of who you are, like, how do you balance the conscious identity with who you are with almost like that heart space of like feeling who you really aspire to be? 
it's very, very true, like personal transparency. I think it's being able to honestly like check yourself when necessary and find what's going on and dig deep. And, and then there's a realization that I had, and I'm a metaphors guy. So I talk in pictures, hopefully it helps you guys listening. And so I, I, for a lot of years in my life, I was not this, like I was the former NFL athlete, you know, the guy who had all this, these accolades and stuff, and I had the house and the business and everything. I was great. And then what ended up happening is I lost a lot of it, had this massive identity crisis. I'd gone through a lot as a kid and had this experience, you know, as an adult, like it was gone. And it's kind of like a fruit falling off a tree. Mm. So like this, this, this fruit falls off the tree and the fruit withers and dies. And then I thought I withered and died. I thought I was a fruit. And then a realization is set at this point in my life after many years of growth and just figuring out how I operate. But we as human beings, we are the fruit in our head. Like we're the career, we're the relationship, we're, we're the accolades, we're the awards. But really, you're not. You're the tree that produced that fruit. Yeah. And so if the tree like drops that fruit, that's cool. Like that fruit died, but you didn't die. Go back to the tree, like, like make the roots like strong and deep and give them nutrients. You can produce five more fruits where you had the one. Mm. And so that for me is where I can look back and say like, yeah, I'm, I, I am not these pieces of fruit. I'm this, this tree, the concept, the identity, the, the, the human being inside that can produce all these different crazy things. So what kind of fruit can I create? What constitutes the tree? So like, if I think about like, the roots, right? Like to me, the roots are about like where you come from. There's actually it's a, it's a structure I created around this. So I call it my coaching. Uh, it's roots and fruits where we start. Because what I look at is like identity. We have these gaps. There's a gap between the person I am, what I do and what I have on autopilot, how I operate. It's, it's who I am, but I'm not thinking about who I am. And there's a person that has the things I want. And it's actually a different individual internally, same human being physically, but different yeah. identity. Because if you if you were the person that has those things, you'd already have those things. Yep. So we got to shift it to making the gap. But the problem is we don't know where our gaps lie. So I call it roots and fruits. You think about uh, the tree that has these roots. It's faith, family, friends, health, and emotions. Do I have a deep sense of faith of self or just a faith in something above? Do I have good friendships outside of the family? Is my family connections deep? Is my health intact? As I say, the person that has their health has a million dreams. Those yeah. who don't have one. And then do I have emotional control when life kicks things up? Because life kicks things up. And can I manage and navigate these, these, these weird situations? Like I was telling a story, like last week, I got an email from somebody who knows where trying to blackmail me because they found some pictures that they, they hacked my wife's email, found some pictures of her, sent them to me. I'm going to show the world. And it's like, I had a podcast in five minutes. I had to manage my, my emotional control to show up as I needed to. It all figured itself out. It was just a crazy person. Like these weird things happen. If I don't have the emotional control, I can't. I can't weather the storms of life. Speak about the tree. When life blows, if I have you know short roots, I get picked up and thrown across town. But if I got deep roots and I have friendships and I got a good family base and everything's good, the winds can blow and I'll be okay. And then also, we talked about the fruits. And if I have deep roots that are getting great nutrients, they can produce great fruits. I can have an amazing career. I can have good financial support in terms of whatever I want to do. I can make money. I can actually have an education that's ongoing, not just in books and you know school, but like living life and learning. I can do something that allows me to escape and take trips and enjoy the world. And then I can really live into a purpose I'm supposed to create, like whatever I'm put here to do. And so I look at this tree that we are, those are the bases. Do you have this, this base foundation to create the, the fruits of your life? And in those are all areas that if you look at the, the whole, it's like, where does the root change into the tree? Like it's all kind of woven together. Yeah. And if, I, if I'm the human saying, how do I make sure I'm in all these places, it'll produce the different fruits I need to and the tree will be strong. I'm curious, you mentioned your emotional control when that event happened, right? Right before that podcast. Mm -hmm. What have you done in your life to create more safety or like containers of safety for you to be able to take life's punches 
or life's, mm-hmm. you know, kicks or almost life's tackles yeah. in a way. What have you done or or do you recommend any practices or maybe from your own life, just experientially, how have you been able to sort of increase your capacity to create space for yourself so that emotional control can be a default? So I think a lot of people are working in that, like for me, like, like, for example, like reacting to a situation like that, right? Like that's usually because you don't have the space, you're not creating space between where you are and what's happening. And I feel like you've just done an impeccable job or maybe just life has thrown you into situations that have forced this to come about. Yeah. Right. Like, but how do you create more of that safety or that space so that emotional control can be the default? Yeah. I think, uh, it's self-control is a big piece. And I did, I think it started out with me just being thrust into a lot of stuff and having to figure it out. Yeah. Football was a big piece of it because football, every single play is that, you know, it's just, it was a natural thing to, to two for 12 years be forced you know, 70 times a game into a really stressful situation. You just kind of get used to it. But the reality is there's a way you can look at the psychology of it outside of football. And what I found was when emotions are high, intelligence is low. And I know that if I get worked up, I'm not going to think and I'm going to do something that's going to damage the next moments of my life, which is the key statement I just made, the next moments of my life. I'm always looking at how do I make sure the next moments of my life are what I want them to be. And I have a conscious like action I can take to affect that. The conscious action could be to let this like <laughs> careening car go downhill emotionally and, and then just run into stuff, right? Because that's what happens. We get angry, we get mad, we fly off the handle, we do things without thinking. Or I can say, how do I pull the e-brake real quick? And for me, the e-brake is just like breathing. There's a technique that a Navy SEAL teaches, and it's like you breathe in deep for four seconds, breathe out deep for four seconds, do that for like 90 seconds, and you actually can calm and control your nervous system that, that pops up. And so... What I do in moments like these, I force myself to like to, I, I just have a trigger now. I'm like, well, you're emotionally triggered right now. Just don't do anything. Don't say anything. Just sit and breathe. And I just sit back, man. And I just, I breathe and I let the emotion calm down. And then my logical brain picks back up. And I say, okay, how do I want the next moments of my life to be? And I think this is why like certain people are successful or unsuccessful. Cause I'm going to go and just, you know, lean in and say, there's a possibility you've had many of these moments in your career to, to be the guy that leads and builds what you've built. Yeah. What ends up happening is things are presented to you that that have to have a, a logical decision. If I get emotional, I go crazy. But those who are successful, they lean into them differently. So much stuff like that. For example, this situation for me, I could have easily got on that podcast and said, "Hey, I had something happen in my email inbox, so you know I, I have to I have to cancel today. You know, I'm in the middle of a blackmail situation." And they would have fully understood it. Yeah, I totally get it. Let's reschedule, no problem. But for me, it's like, yeah, but I don't want that to affect my life because then they have control. I want to make sure I show up for the person that will hear this podcast that can change their life. And who knows the opportunity that could come because somebody listens to it. God knows we're across the world. And so for me, I'm like, all right, I want that to be the moment I look into. I don't want that to be this moment of me having to be downtrodden from an email, then feel bad because I canceled a podcast yeah. and feel in a slump the rest of the day. And then I'm in a bad mood. And then my kids get a bad mood, dad. Like it just da 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 So if I can control the emotion of it just for a moment and think logically what happens if I let the emotion control me, I could be like, you know what? I don't want that. I want this. You know, I don't want to go down. I want to go up, so to speak. And so I can just start looking at what's the action that needs. And here's the big thing. You're not going to feel like taking the action necessary. Mm. A lot of the actions that we have to take to be successful, they're not ones you feel like taking. They're ones you know have to be taken. But just all of you is like, I don't feel like doing this, but I got to do it. I got to do it both. And so you shut off the part of your brain that's judging and thinking and guessing. And you just go take the action full blow. And then you just show back up and, and see what happens. It's a football metaphor. When I am in the game and I'm playing football, 
the worst thing that could happen would have a coach in my ear next to me yelling at me while I'm in the game. Cause I'd be thinking about what he's saying and trying to play the game and thinking what he's saying and play the game. There's a reason he's on the sideline. I'm in, I just focus on here now, play the game. Then I can get to the sideline and have the coach give me some feedback on what took place. And I go back into the game. So when I'm in the moments of emotion, I'm like, I'm just in the game. Let me go ahead and do what I know is right. Take the action, do it bold. And then I'll come back later and check in with the coach. And was it right? Was it wrong? What should I do? And that's kind of how I, I navigate my emotional moments. Mm. Dude, one thing I'm particularly curious about in your own, and I love the idea of reverse engineering the best decision, but when you reverse engineer the best decision, and you don't feel like doing it. It's almost like you surrender so that all those judgy voices go away. Yeah. Action and suffering. Right. So like, I mean, the suffering comes from the resistance to the action, right? Like, but when you surrender all of the suffering or when you surrender the control almost, and you're like, I just got to do this and you do it, you lean into it fully. And then you allow life to sort of carry you along through the action and create whatever you're supposed to create in that moment. How do you balance the forces of give and take control and surrender creation and the opposite? Like, like, you know, cause I think that especially when life throws curveballs at you, right? Like a lot of it's out of our control. There are things that are in our control, but there's also a lot of elements that maybe are painful, that are judgy and way out, right? So I guess as a man of faith and as somebody who is also taking your life into your hands, like how do you sort of balance, I guess, like just the things that are in your control and the things that are not? So one thing I try to do is I try to get to autopilot as, as soon and fast as I can in life. There's this concept of effortless effort, right? Mm. There's this, this effort given. We all have this. We all give effort to something. But there's something that you give effort to that is effortless to you. But to me, it's overwhelm. I mean, how does Raj do that? Like, that's just a lot he's getting done. Oh, my. And like, and I, oh, you're special. It's like, no, it's just, it's just my Monday morning, man. You know. And so there's idea of like, how do I stretch into that? And what I'm finding is like through all the research I do, I'm really to simplify down People are, are in these levels where they have just like, they just go and operate. And what I do is I call it a slower go identity. So what we're talking about is like, it's pretty much your identity. It's who you are, right? It's, it's the base fund. It's the programming of the computer that is me. And so what happens is there's certain people who have slow identities, which means when met with an opposition or an opportunity, they slow down. So if that's an opportunity, it, it may look scary. I don't know. I question it. I, uh, I tug back yeah. and it passes me by. Or I'm met with opposition. And if it's an opposition, I don't like facing it. So I run from the problem. I, I completely alleviate myself from the situation. I drink, I go smoke, I do craziness to get myself. I want to just, I can't deal with it. And those people wake up someday like, why am I not ahead right now? What's mm -hmm. going on? Well, you've just been going slow every time something popped up. Then you have a goal identity. The goal identity says when an, an op opposition or opportunity pops up, opportunity, I don't know, but let's go. Let's figure it out. I lean in. I, I want to see what can come to it. I might fail. That's totally cool, but I'm going to go and see. I'm going to fail full, like, forward, right? Another person's a go identity, also in an opposition. If it's a problem, something happens, let's tackle it. See what I got. See if I made, I made a something that's magical that can take this thing on. Like there's a different perspective in a go identity. And what I find is all the people that I know that are successful, they are go identities. There's, it's not an accident. And they may have different portions. Some people might go slow in opposition. They might go, you know, faster in, in opportunity. You have some mixtures within there. But the reality is most people that are, are go, they're just go. Yeah. And, and people look at like they're magic and like, oh, they must have been born that way and special. But I, I promise you, nobody is. Yeah. Uh, it's a very like nature thing. And, and it's a statement that I, I've kind of like anchored all of my teachings to. It's what you create creates you. Mm. It's a longer conversation we can go into. But really, oh, if you dude. think about when, yeah, when you create something along the journey of creating it, the fallbacks, the, the, the failures, the getting back up, the wins, the wins, the wins, and the big loss and the big win, all that. As you're creating, 
you're creating yourself in the background, this person that has like this bigger chip, more confidence, more pride, more knowledge. Like you just, but you had to create to create that. Dude, you become so what you practice. You become what you do. <laughs> like ultimately, right? Like, cause we're living in this life where like, and creation is the, is almost like the flow of like doing. And that's where the yeah. surrender comes in, right? Like it doesn't, even if you're not where you want to be in life and if you're not like exactly working on the things you love doing in life, when you approach it with that go attitude and you just do whatever's in front of you with the best of your ability, you end up creating the momentum that just takes you on a path towards where you want to be because you are the common denominator in every part of your life, right? So every single weight set you pull, every single push up you do, every single thing is just preparing you for the next thing. And it's just continuing to compound and accumulate until you have a life where you are the reason you are. <laughs> exactly. I want to kind of ask a question on the slow and go identities. So I love the idea of there being like, common traits of successful people, which I would love for you to kind of dive into, like, what are those common traits that you found? But more so, I'm kind of curious, like, so there's common traits that create success or abundance or joy or, or anything in that, in that frame, right? How does authenticity sort of play into that, right? Because if everybody was just the same cookie cutter, go, 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 go type person, then the world wouldn't be the creative, beautiful, like just expression of life that it is. The difference, right? So, like, how do you balance that go, go, go with authenticity, and and where does that fall into? I guess the identity, like just the identity of of, of what we live into. Yeah, so we call identity anchors, and the anchors are what you anchor yourself to. So some people, they, so for, like for the people I've met and what I, you know where I've, I've understood like this is a successful person, they typically have anchors where it's not just this thing you think about, or like, I want to be, it's like when someone looks at you, they're like, no, no, that person embodies that. It's things like passion, it's follow through, it's tenacity, it's grit, it's perspective. It, it's, it's all these different things. There's actually 10 of them. I can't remember each one of them off the top of my head, but there's anchors that what happens is when I am anchored in that as being me, for example, if authenticity is one part of what anchors me, there'll be moments that arise where I'm, I'm given the opportunity and I can feel it to be authentic or not. Mm. And if it's part of who I am, I show up and I'll just, I'll do that. It might cost me time, money, friends, but I'm going to be that person. However, if it's not part of who I choose to be, or I've architected my identity to be, I could easily just slide it by the wayside. And I, I don't think there's an area where people have to, I think there's maybe an assumption that, you know, you have to be inauthentic to do certain things. At the end of the day, like if, if, if you are authentic enough in a sense of to yourself and to say, hey, this is who I am and own that, that in and of itself is authenticity, even if it's authentically saying, Hey, I don't care about other people besides myself. Like I'm just a selfish dude. You know, like that, that could literally be you being your authentic self. You're just a selfish human. And so I think authenticity at the end of the day for a human is just saying, I'm going to accept exactly who I am. Cause see, part of my work is us going through like three stages. The first stage to see, which is we do work with other people. We figure out like, who are you? Get a feel of like how other people see you, how you see you. And they'll find there's certain aspects with net roots and fruits that someone will present to you. And then I always tell people, just because they presented it to you doesn't mean you have to work on that. Mm. So maybe somebody says you talk too much. Maybe you like talking too much. So just talk. You know, maybe, uh, maybe they say you're too nice. Cool. Be too nice. Like You don't have to work on it. Now, if you do want to work on it, and in the moment of you saying, I, I have this belief I should work on it, if I don't follow that action, well, there might be a moment where presented with the opportunity, you don't do the thing that you believe you should do. And now what happens is then you're living inauthentically. For example, if you're like, hey, uh, I'm a selfish person 
And in that moment, somebody presents an opportunity for you to be selfish, but you do something nice. Oddly, you'd be acting inauthentically. Weird oxymoron. It is. It is. And I think I'm curious in your own life, right? Because like when you have that compass of where you want to go, I think it's it gets harder and harder to be authentic the more you grow because the the, the opposing forces in life that are constantly pulling mm-hmm. you. What is your personal compass that makes you and forces you to almost come back to that truth, that truth of who you are, that, 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 that space, right? To set my own scale. I think uh, what you're asking is like, what, what gives me the sense of like, where my, my center point, my, my North star, so to speak. Yeah. So what we do a lot of the time, which is unfortunate for people is they, they go into the world and they say, man, I saw this in this industry. Everybody's going after that. I should go after that. And they never get to the point of comprehending that you can set your own scale. Yep. The world scale is unset, always fluctuating. And that no matter what you achieve, there's always more. Jeff Bezos wants more. And he's the richest man on earth. Like, you know what I mean? There's, there's always something more. So what I said is like, I'm tired of feeling unhappy when I achieve something that six months ago I thought was going to be great. I don't like that feeling. And so I was like, why do I feel that? Well, it's only because I'm comparing myself to something that the world has told me I need to have. And so what I look at is, is what are the things that I put on my own scale that I can say in private, in my own area, and if you operate like this, you do this, this is going to be your level of great, regardless of whatever somebody comes in. You can achieve this. Someone can come in and say, yeah, you got that, but you didn't get that. And I can say, cool, I wanted this. I don't care what you think I should have wanted. I feel good, right? And so once I have that set, now I can check back in. But the problem is a lot of people will sometimes set a decent scale and they'll have those moments where they're, they're met with a decision and they make the wrong choice, wrong decision, do the wrong thing, or don't follow through, don't take the action they promised that they would. And now what happens is we get to the point of when we're in the mirror, looking at the person we see, we start to lose respect for that person. Chip on the shoulder starts getting smaller and smaller. And if you think about like, if you don't respect somebody or love somebody, do you show up for that person? Do you fight for that person? And so we can say ex, you know, externally, like if I see someone I don't care about, don't love, like, ah, I'm not going to go and you know, help that person who's getting beat up or something random. Like, I don't even know them. But if it was like someone I love, like I'm going over there and throwing, throwing blows. There's a difference. But the problem is a lot of us, we have moments where we set a scale. We don't follow through with that. We lose a bit, a little, little bit of love, a little bit of respect. And now we don't show back up and fight for ourselves. So the scale we set starts getting thinner and it starts floating away. And now I'm back into this world with no anchor. And so for me, it's like you have to master the moments. Nothing matters decision-wise or thoughts of what you'll do. None of it matters until the moment that it matters. Do I make the decision? Do I not make the decision? And it carries far more weight than people think. It's, it's not just this like something where oh, nobody's going to know but me. It's a problem because you will know. And when, when met with that opportunity that comes across your plate, which is you know, against you and Susan, if you know you've seen Susan getting after it, even if you might have more skills and more capabilities, you might think, man, but Susan's been getting after it. I don't know if I... I can't, and you don't fight for yourself because you fell short somewhere. Anthony, when was the first time you fought for yourself? Man, fought for myself. That wouldn't have been until I was in my 20s, man, to be honest. No, 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 scratch that. I fought for myself when I was 15 years old. It wasn't life, it was, it was, it was part of life. So 15 years old, second year football, third year football, sorry. First two years, I sucked at this thing because everything we try to do in the beginning, we suck at. Yeah. Right? I love this. I want to try it. I'm like, oh, I suck. And I met with that thing of like, oh, I don't like sucking. I don't want to do this anymore. So I ran away from it. Had some, some unique moments happen in my life that were amazing gifts of me hearing some things that like I never wanted to hear, but I heard them and they shifted my perspective. So I went to work and did this. I talked about it. I went in the weight room and lifted weights and ran, brought all the work in the background. So I fought for myself when it came time the next season. So it came time 
my sophomore year of high school. And I'd been the sucky, slow, skinny kid. And this year, dude, I was an animal. Like it was me and you across the line. Like the ball's hiked. I'm going to beat you. I don't care how bad you want to win. It doesn't matter. Like I've done too much work for you to take this from me. And if you won, line back up. Let's go again. You weren't going to stop me from catching the ball. I'm going to make the tackle. Just I had this mentality. Like I'm going to fight every single play because I deserve this. I did the work. I earned this. And that was something that trickled in the next levels of my life, little by little by little. To where now, like I enter things, like even this space, and I, I have no desire to go any faster than I've earned. But believe every level I get, I fight for it when it comes time to be challenged. It's just a matter of how much time I put in to fight for it. Why did you feel like fighting for yourself in that moment? Well, if you think about it, nobody wants to have a lack of investment. Like we're a lack of return investment. So we are investment-based humans. The more you put into something, the concept of what you create creates you. The more I invest, say, money, I want a return of money. But if I return, like I want a return of like of confidence and self-esteem or the success and achievement, that comes from the investment of, of previous effort put in towards that thing. So I did not want any of my effort to be for nothing. It's the same thing happens for people like in bad relationships. They won't leave the relationship. Why? I've been in it so long. I don't want to accept that I've wasted the last 10 years of my life. Like that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything, but I get it. The concept it, uh, psychologically rings true. So for me, like I didn't want to have all my effort, all my routes run, 500 catches a day, all the exercise sessions, lifting sessions. All I didn't want that to show up the next year and have been for nothing. I needed to get a return on it. And the return was, was me having an achievement, but I, I had to fight for it. And we're all going to have to fight for something at some point in time, even if it's fighting for that contract, for that client, for you know fighting to get that workout. You'll fight for it if you know in the roots and depths of your soul that you deserve it because you've earned it. Mm. So it's almost like there's an there was a feeling inside of you that there was more to this experience than you were experiencing in that moment. I didn't know it then, but yeah. Yeah. What did that feeling feel like? And the reason I'm dialing into this is because I think everybody has these moments, whether they know it or not. And it's in every single moment. It doesn't matter if it's as a parent, doesn't matter if it's as a as an employee, it doesn't matter if it's as an entrepreneur. There's a feeling that yeah. that tells you and we're not human and to be honest i don't think society or school or really even parents in in this day and age do a do a really good job of helping us tap into those feelings and know how to understand those feelings and what to do when you feel something and so yeah. i think i want to this is why i'm driving into this cuz i think it's so fascinating like what does that feeling feel like that right before you know you're going to like you're ready to fight for yourself like what does that feel like? And how do you, how do you verbalize that? You know, the feeling when you're in a movie theater and someone's talking and no one's telling them to be quiet and you, you're going to be the one to speak up and say something, but you start processing, you get that welling of like this weird um, anxiety and you get a little bit of like excitement, you know, you're right. And then you say something like, Oh, you know, it's kind of, kind of like that. It's the best way I can explain it. It's in the moment of it. it, it this is the autopilot we talked about. When I was doing the work, I was creating the person who was the identity of a person that was going to win, no matter what it was I was putting my effort into. And like you said, it rings true for every human being in any area, not just physical, mental, emotional, everything, spiritual as well. And so what happens is in that moment, you're not really thinking. If anything, this is where your emotion picks up because you're met with this very specific moment that says, you're not the person who loses. You're not the person who quits that. You're not the person who does X or Y or Z. And so in that moment, without processing a whole bunch, you just go, you, you just go as opposed to slow. And so when that moment picks up, the people who have done that work, 
their natural reaction is just going to be to go. There's going to be, there's not, they say like, you know, don't quit, don't lose. Like when I look at somebody in a, a fight, like a boxing match, and I'm watching the later rounds, I can tell the person, it's not a conditioning thing. You can tell the person who was in that weight room and killing it long past the, the moments where they thought they couldn't anymore. Mm. That's what they call it. This grit comes in. Like you, I know that if they're in the, we're in the you know, ninth, 10th round of a boxing match, when you see that guy break, I know that he didn't stay in that weight room past his pain points. It's not a physical thing. Like his body will keep going because he goes a couple more rounds. Yep. His mind shut down because in his head, he's like, dude, I didn't, I didn't earn this. This guy's, he's put too much. There's a natural thing happening there. And so if we're in that same boxing match for our marriage or for our business, you'll see the point where something really hard pops up. You'll see the people who are doing the work, like, like they may have talked about, who are really doing the work in the background. Because if I spent all my life like coding, building, doing something, if that business is going to falter, like, where I'm going to get up there and I'm going to get people engaged, I'm going to get people on board, I'm going to fight. But if I didn't do the work, I won't. And that's something that people individually have to check in with in the moment. Let me ask you something, Anthony. You, through your story, I know that you've had pranks where you wanted to consider committing suicide, right? And in those moments, those are your rock bottom moments. That's where it's almost like you've given into the fight. In those types of moments, what does the spark feel like? And what does it look like there where you may have put in the reps, right? You may be in the ninth or 10th round, and this is now a life or death situation, right? Like, where does the strength come there? What's the spark that lives in those final moments where you're about to make a decision that can alter the course of your existence? Yeah. Uh, it's, I believe it's hope and borrowed joy. Borrowed so anyway, joy. So, so when I was at a point like super low, like I, you know, I had this gym business that I come out of the NFL. So I'd lost my career in the NFL. Uh, I put all my effort in this gym, neglected my wife. So I've lost the marriage. Uh, I've lost the family unit. I'm out of shape. This business is not doing well at all. And so all the pieces that made Anthony Anthony, who is this guy now, were so far from the guy that I desired to be. I had a great marriage, had a great family, had a great business, was still the guy. That massive gap. In fact, the bigger the gap, the closer you are to rock bottom because you're just so far from the person yeah. you want to be. It's like, I can't. I don't see it as possible. And there's always that little like inkling of hope. But really for me, it's, it's this aspect of borrowed joy. I took this like life model class at a church back in like 2000 and man, it might've been like 10. It was a while ago. And one of the things was a really weird video to be totally honest. The guy's awkward, but I love the concept. And he says, it's kind of like uh, you have to borrow joy. If you look at joy, like there's certain people that just have levels of joy far above any normal human being. Hmm. Like it's just like a joy tank. And what I've found is there's a reason why we as human beings were built for, for relation and community and friendship and connection. And so I find that in those moments when I'm down, like I don't do what most people do, which is tuck away from shame. I need to go borrow somebody's joy. And, and I may, I don't need them to go super high, but like, if I don't have it, I need someone to come in who's like a, a 10 when I'm like a two and I just got to hang around them because they'll say things, they'll have perspectives, they'll give jokes, they'll pull you in a different space and you'll get that two to be a three, then a four, then a five, and little by little it picks up. Now that's a really short, you know, you know, compression of like a bigger moment in time and bigger stretches and spaces. But I had a lot of great friends that I would just go to their house just to go to their house. What are we going to do, bro? Just come over. For what? I don't know, man. Just get, just get over here. You just come over and you just, you're in a space of seeing somebody happy and they have a conversation. You reminisce. You, you just it starts to bring it to a new place of remembering things you might've forgotten that were actually good in life or um, having moments of like, you know, them recounting who you were and, and how, 
how this doesn't feel like you and how you could go back and do that. And like, and this is where I was going through like moments of like, I just want to go do dumb stuff and just, I don't want to deal with this. I'm just go like, that's not who you are, man. Like they re-anchor you back to what it is. They paint the picture, they get you refocused. And that for me is borrowing joy from other humans. And I think it's an okay thing to do. I don't, I don't need to go to somebody and complain like, you know, but I just need to be around joy because it brings you to see like, Hey, and this is one one thing I, when I get to hard points now, I always take this moment of time to stop and say, okay, I remember times when it was the worst, the bottom, but I also remember times after that when I was incredibly joyous and happy. So even though I'm in this low right now, how do I get back to this place that was like that? How do I make that mirrored to this moment? And I start looking again at how do I make those moments what I want them to be? And so when I'm down and low, man, that's why people like go to a, a meeting, go see a group, go get a counselor, call that support line. There's a reason these things exist. Psychologically, human beings, we need to borrow that joy. Mm, dude, I love the idea of borrowing joy. And I think just in that space, like it's one thing to think about what you can do best in the moment. I think that's a beautiful way to create decisions. But I think in those spaces, it's also important to just remember that you're on a longer timeline, right? Like the timeline, I think our fear minds, our, our egos try to keep us in survival mode, like what's happening right now. But in perspective, right? Like the world was creating before you were alive and the world will be creating after you're dead. And yeah. the timeline you're on, you can't know what's going to happen in the space in between where you are and the day you leave. Like you have no idea, right? It's just, it's never there. And so that timeline, it's almost like, this is why I think gratitude is such a powerful practice because you're naturally then just by a simple practice of gratitude, you're starting to take all of these moments that are happening and starting to ask yourself, how is this a gift in the longer timeline? I call it bonus rounds. Bonus rounds. <laughs> bonus rounds. I, I kid you not. I talk about this all the time. Like for me, if you know, if you know what people know my life, like growing up to what I went up through, man, and the headaches and the craziness, I, I got to a point where statistically I've beaten the odds, man. If you look at any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids like me. Mm. 1% will graduate from college. You know, 50-something percent of our homeless population have spent time in foster care. So that the odds don't stack well. Then I played the NFL, which is like point zero 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 whatever one of you know all pl football players I've ever played have had an opportunity to play at that level. Then like my businesses, I've had a business that's been around a decade now, which I've been at one percent. So like statistically, I shouldn't really like I'm an anomaly. Shouldn't be who I am and what I'm doing. So I'm like, man, if I was able to beat those odds, it's kind of like when you when you win in Super Mario or like Sonic and you get to the bonus round. It's like, dude, I won the game. Now, like, what else can I collect? What can I, you know? So <laughs> I'm in the bonus rounds of life. And then I've also realized that there's a concept of marginal utility, that when you get the first thing that you really desire, like, it's amazing and you feel great. Second yeah. time you get it, like, ah. By the time of the time, it's like, ah, what do I do with this? And I want, but I want joy again. I want to have the same elation and feeling experientially of what it felt like to get the first one. And when I realized it's like at that point, like, say it's a hamburger. First hamburger is good. Seventh hamburger, I'm full. But that guy who's starving, he could use a hamburger. Damn, I love that. We'll give this up. So like if I can give something that I've gotten earned to the next person, I get that joy again. I love how you borrow joy, but you also return joy. Got it. It's, it's the back and forth, right? Like when you're in that space where you just need some pickup, borrow it. And it's okay to ask for it. It's okay mm -hmm. to ask for help. God forbid you ask your friend for help and he feels good about helping you. Like, God, you just did such a tragedy, right? Like, I mean, it's a beautiful thing, giving and receiving. But I think that's that's just like, you can't 
one, you can't give what you don't have and you can't have what you don't receive because everything is received, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, it doesn't matter. Like your joy is received at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. So like yeah. ultimately like that give and take, I love that dude. I love the idea of, of, of keeping that cycle going of giving so and receiving. Borrowed. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say take joy. No, I said borrow from the get-go. you're not, you're not, you're not taking anything and borrowing is just a brilliant mindset. What else do you borrow? Man, I like to borrow bad ideas. I, I, I like to hold ideas in my head that would be completely opposite of my thought because I want to I want to learn. Like I talked about education in the beginning. I don't think education for me comes out of books only. I, I, I think that we live a life full of educational moments that we bypass or don't go back and recount. So every night I have a reminder at seven o'clock on my phone called a waffle. It's something I create for use for content, but also my day one, it's a, it's a journal on my phone. And what I do is I go, when I try to recount the day, and it's like, what did I see? And, and what was an idea that maybe I didn't like? And I just, I sit with it. I'm like, what if I didn't believe in God and I was atheist? Like, what would that like be like? Mm. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a complete opposite, but I'm not doing it to trash that or find a reason. I really want to explore the thought of what, what could that do to aid me here? Or, or what could it do to, to have me have a different kinds of perspective? Um, could it take me over? You know, could, could I switch my thought? But most people there, they're so locked in. They don't borrow concepts that can help them grow. They don't just take on stuff that's in opposition. They just, they want to be here because no one wants to be challenged because we don't want our identity to be in crisis. Because what if I take the idea and it ch- changes something about what I thought and it shatters the whole thing? Because people are so fragile in that space, they stop growing. Like I hate, and I don't say hate's a strong word. I'm, uh, I'm saddened by people I meet who are 60 years old, you know, who haven't grown past 25. Yeah. There wasn't this this wisdom that was able to open up and say, what if I continue to learn? They've had life experiences, but age is an equal wisdom. Experience yep. and, and recollection and packing creates wisdom. And so for me, like I'm always trying to say, like, you know, what's happened? What what did I do? Why would that person say that? And I try to entertain that crazy idea. Like that's what I borrow is bad ideas so I can make better ones. I love the idea of borrowing bad ideas. One, I don't think we as anybody have original ideas. I think yeah. everything is borrowed in some way, shape, or form, like our, even the beliefs and the identities that we have right now, those are borrowed by the upbringing we've had, the experiences, the wins we've experienced. Everything is borrowed in some way, shape, or form. So I think for me, it's always been interesting kind of detaching myself from the ego and the identity that I've created for myself. And it's almost like this is the meat suit that I have on. This is Raj. This is what he can do. This is what he's done. This is what he stands for. But this was also created. And by having that fluidity, I can then allow different perspectives, different challenging oppositions and different life experiences to mold, break, create, recreate, dissolve, and just, again, rebirth or birth a version of myself that is more true to who I am. That's change, man. I think everybody hates to hate the thought of change because it's scary, but man, is it the, it's, it's the most beautiful part because that's how everything we've had has ever happened. It's evolution. Like every great thing. Yeah. But people are so afraid of what might affect who they are in a change. Like it's just what I'm hearing from you is the fact that you are, you're in a space where like you're very confident in who you are so much so that, that you realize that, that nothing really adjusts who you are unless you let it. So something could be said, something could be done. It's like, that's cool. Glad you think that, but I'm good. Yeah. I'm yeah, keep that's right. right. So you can keep on growing. But some people, the sad part is if you challenge or take away this thing that they are, for them, that's all of who they are. They lose all of themselves. 
And that's a scary place for a lot of people. If they don't have a grasp of you're more than what you honestly even sometimes think like you're so, you're so low in perspective of yourself that you think that that's, that that job is all you were. So you want to kill yourself. It's like, damn, man, like you're so much more than this one thing. If you could just stop and realize that. You know, it's interesting. I, uh, heard of a guy named Ram Das. I have. I don't know why. He's it like sounds a, very familiar. He's a spiritual teacher. You know, he's like studied with yogis. Meant like he's like been like a spiritual guide. If you would, a lot of people consider him to be one of those guys. And he just passed away. And I've been kind of going back through a lot of his teachings. And he's got this amazing concept of the soul versus the ego. And he had this one amazing video that, like, or this is in his book. He talks about like at the end of life, your soul essentially takes off this meat suit and puts on a new one like a fresh suit, like a fresh outfit and just continues on their life, right? But the ego at the end of death suffers because it is the death of itself. It is, mm-hmm. it is, it doesn't, it doesn't move on and go on. Yeah. Right. And I think yeah. that there's so many, like the ego is really identity and you can have micro identities inside yeah. of that. So when something ends, like a version of ourselves end, it's almost like that ending of that ego. If you don't have the the confidence that you are more than this ego, it can be debilitating. Everything is gone. And in that space where everything is gone, there's not even the curiosity to play again. Because I think that's really where beauty exists. And it's in that curiosity. It's like, what's more? Like, what's what what's the possibility of this? I agree. And that's, that's the fun stuff of life is like as we as we are you know adults we're here right now but we were kids we were here and mm, through life we just yeah. got here and here and we just got, we got better at something got refined now we're in this bubble we're like man why does life suck because you're not curious about what's over there anymore you're not trying to open up this spot and try new things because the excitement comes in newness as a kid everything was new it was all exciting and then you got older and thought well i know this and you still don't know what you don't know so so you just stay here and like this stuff gets just boring so try new things. I'm not saying go like do Richard Gear type stuff, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can you can, if you want to do that by all means, but like go and do new things. But the problem is the new things might compete with the current ego. Mm. So we stay in this weird vicious cycle of, but I'm not the guy that tries those. I'm the guy that has my straight organized stuff and my car is always clean and I wear a suit. I don't go do that. It's like, dude, but your 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 kid inside wants to. Yeah. And so you're going to end up doing that thing and be in a weird, like neurotic space. And then you're just, you're a butt to everybody in your life. Like, Oh, to something new, man. Like, yeah. what I love about this is your life experiences have allowed you to come to a set of conclusions that are very much in line with my own life experiences and the conclusions that I've been able to come up with. And so there's mm-hmm. some element of truth that I think all of us can see and feel. Right. There's some element of truth in potential and the capacity of the human spirit and our own sort of abilities to live in purpose and live in fulfillment and live in joy that we're already naturally designed to exercise. Right. Like curiosity is not something you have to teach a child. It's something that the child just lives and embodies. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it's almost like we know inside of us what's there and why it's there. And Mm -hmm. It's just making the choice to living in that courage and, and giving yourself the space to, to lean in. Dude, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> love you too, bro. I love you, man. I, I was just in my head. I'm thinking like, this is the, and I'm going to say this, and I've been on a lot of these. This is the best podcast I've been on. I'm just having a regular conversation because most people, they don't, they don't ask anything outside of, well, but tell them about your Ninja Warrior and your NFL days. And then don't do me wrong. There's some great people that have had some good conversations. 
but this is the stuff I like talking about because mm. my identity isn't tied to the football guy and my muscles. Like that's, there's more to it. And most people, they just want, uh, they want to unpack that because it's a cool thing for their podcast. I love people who have me on their podcast. Don't get me wrong, but this is a different one and I enjoy it. I'm enjoying it. Oh man, I appreciate that. And I know there's a lot of people that are enjoying seeing your raw authenticity shine through. Anthony, talk to talk to the people about everything you're up to, man. I know you've got like a bajillion things happening and <laughs> it's amazing to see and watch. And I love seeing you shine, brother. So let's uh, give the people kind of... What? what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. My, uh, I mean, my, my world is probably about 70, 30 of coaching just like this on zoom, but I coach clients and then I speak on stages. I love doing both. They, they serve me amazingly. Professionally. I have some awesome things I'm putting into the world. I've, the, the, what I'm talking about now, it's very conceptual in what we're doing. However, I was like, I don't want to be the concept motivation guy. And then you wonder how do I do everything you just said? Yep. So I spent so much time developing very specific curriculum. So I coach people through structured curriculum to do this. And because I think for me, the one thing I boiled down to is that what you create creates you. So I want to have people create. How do you take, architect your ideal identity, put into structure, and then actionably put into the world, then debrief what you're seeing and reading and putting it back into a process. So we're continuously creating yeah, the alchemy one of having that gap be closed. So I coach and then I speak and I talk about this exact thing. The fun thing, which is unique, is identity is not this new thing, but in this space, it's a new way I'm approaching it. Mm. So I'm actually having fun educating the world on my perspective of how it plays in and what it is. Because most people are like, yeah, I get identity and I get that is, and we see it like in gender specific stuff. We see identity in like college classes, but no one's like, how do I make that mainstream? Mm. Like, how do I make the concept of it something? I'm like, oh, I get that. And it's because I, I find that we all... We have tools, techniques, and then it's a technician. And all of us right now in this world of information are seeking the techniques and the strategies. We're utilizing the tools, but we're like, why does that person with the same tools or less tools, why do they win? And I can't seem to get there. Yeah. And it's everything we just talked about today. It's, it's given that tool and that technique, are you the technician to fully take advantage of it in the moments when it matters, when you're met with opposition, do you fight for yourself because you're the person that does that? Like, if you're not, I don't care what you buy and what you invest, how many groups or how many people you network with, you're not going to win. You can't. And so the work I do is getting people to, to become the human being that has all the things that they want. I love it, dude. Well, and everybody listening, we'll make all of Anthony's links available in the show notes. And uh, yeah, dude, I just, I love you, brother. You shine. And I love seeing the authenticity, you, man. man. I can feel it through the conversation and the way you care. And it's just brilliant. I got one last question for you, my man. In the midst of everything you've been through, everything you're doing and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Well, I think the simple answer is like there, there's a, something bigger than me. There are some men of faith that believe there's a God that, that's overseeing me. So I stay grounded and realize I'm like, bro, I'm not perfect. My wife will tell you I'm not perfect. She'll tell you every day. <laughs> the grounded portion of it, what really the root of it is, I absolutely never want to have my kids at any point in their life not be proud of the man that I am. Mm. And so if, if I get to the point where like I got a big head because I achieved something, because I already did the NFL thing and I've been on TV, I've done a lot of the things that most people would assume. Like I've actually had messages from people who are like, I thought you were this very arrogant, stuck up dude. And then I, I watched your videos and I heard about your backstory. Like, man, I love you. I'm like, man, why does that have to be the lead? Like, why does that just because I've accomplished stuff, you assume I'm going to be this arrogant guy. And so for me, like I never want my kids to see me being this this guy that's not 
not incredibly overly nice. That that's not a guy that sticks to his values. And for example, like my kids, we have this rule in public: if you touch a piece of trash on the ground, you pick it up and put it in the garbage. Mm. Just our house rule. Like it's still a certain level of integrity. So much so that like even like two days ago, I was out somewhere and I had taken the sticker off something and put it down, and the paper was sitting next to me. I got up to leave and I saw it. I could have easily walked away. I went back and got it because Anthony wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I would have been out of integrity if I didn't follow through. And it's not so much anything more than like, I know that if my kids were watching, that's what I should do. It's just, it's a level of how I want them to be proud of me. So what keeps me grounded and, and leveled is I'm not perfect. I got a lot to do. And I also find that if I want to have a great life, people should want to be around me. Mm. And if I'm an arrogant dude, no one's going to want to be around me. I love people too much to be the guy that people don't want to be around. So I like being the guy that people want to be around. So I, I, I think it's tied to my foster care being given away. So I just try to stay like a, the best way to say it, I'm a regular guy, man. I just have a super irregular desire to help people. Yeah. And that's a great way. And going back to the receiving and giving, if you're always prescribing to that belief that there are things to receive and things to give, I think it's impossible to lose yourself into the, the luster of everything you've accomplished. Yeah. Because there's always something to give and there's always something to receive, whether it's knowledge, whether it's love, whether it's fulfillment, whether it's teachings, it doesn't matter. Life is constantly creating before you were born and after you were born. And we are just yeah. on this journey all together, trying to go, trying to take each other home. Yeah. Well, I mean, energy, if you think about it, it was it energy is never created or never destroyed. It's just, it's, it's literally just re-diverted. So there's this concept that we were here before we were here because yeah. the energy of who we are was here. And then we're going to be here after we're here because the same energy. It's a really interesting concept that twists the hell out of my brain, but I love it. Well, you and I are going to have to have another conversation on that one because uh, I think that could yeah. be a whole hour long conversation <laughs> itself. <laughs> um, but uh, no, Anthony, I just really appreciate you, brother. Thank you for being here. But everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Anthony. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.